This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Thanks for joining us today. we got a great question for you, Pastor Michael. How do I learn to show interest in people even when people haven't shown interest in me? Yeah, I, I have so much to say on this. And uh, so there, there's a whole, we'll just say, group of humanity that is so introverted, shy. Mm. Um, uh, there are, we'll just say, physical reactions that happen that they don't choose. They don't want. They get into a group of people and they're nervous. They're anxious. They don't want to speak. They're afraid um, that if they do say something, they're going to sound like an idiot. Oftentimes they have had really difficult experiences right. that go far, far, far back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, my my oldest daughter, um, she came out of the womb hesitant, you know, mm-hmm. like groups of people, new people. She's just like, uh, you know, and then like. I came out of the womb like everybody's a party waiting to happen, you know? So, (laughs) so like there, there's a part of this that is nature. There's a part of this that is nurture. And um, we're trying to teach, you know, our more hesitant children to be bold and be confident, Mm -hmm. but also to be discerning about who they're with. And, and, uh, and then there's people who um, maybe they're even created extroverts, if you will, by Mm -hmm. nature, but experiences have so severely wounded them. Maybe they had a mom and dad, who honestly just weren't good. Maybe they come from a culture that has very different cultural, um, we'll say methods of communications and expectations than what they find here in America. There's a million reasons why somebody could be asking um, this question. And uh, some people might jump to the conclusion, maybe even the person asking the question, am I unlovable? Yeah. Am I unlikable? That's what it sounds like the real question is. And it might be. And so uh, here's here's just like a one-on-one on human, like, We'll say the psychology of groups. Every time somebody walks into a group of people, there are two questions that they subconsciously act, asked, not act. Number one, who are my people? Mm-hmm. And number two, do they love me? That's right. Am I acceptable to them? Um, those are the two basic questions. If somebody walks into a room and you don't know who your people are and you don't know if you are accepted or loved, it will be a very difficult experience. Oh, it'll be a freaky thing. This is why we tell people when, when people visit church, this is one of the most courageous things that they can do. They walk into a group of, of people and they don't know who their people are. And That's the right. only basis they, they, they have is, do they look like me? Mm-hmm. Are they my age? Do they dress like me? Are we a part of similar maybe subcultures that express ourselves mm-hmm. in the same way? Do we have the same skin color? Like those are the only things that they can look for. But even then, will they like me? Will right. they accept me? Will they love me? Um, am I safe here? And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I think for the person who is asking this question, I want to just look at them and say, I, I don't I don't know what's leading to this particularly. But I do know that I'm not going to put you into a box and just say, you must be blank. Right. Um, there are a million things that go into this. Mm-hmm. And I also want to just call attention to anybody who is who is watching a visitor come through the doors of a church the first time and say, the person who walks through that doors is courageous. Absolutely. Period. Churches are weird. <laughs> Some churches are weird. <laughs> well, like if, if you are not a churched person – the things that are important right. to church people are not important to you. That's right. And maybe there's a stirring in your heart. Like you're like, I know something is a, a God wants more for me and I want to get to know him better. 
but even so, you could walk into a hundred different churches and get a mm-hmm. hundred different experiences. Uh, and, and so I, again, that's just a little caveat I thought I would throw in, but who are my people and do they love me? Who are right. my people and do they love me? And so, um, there are some things that we do that make connecting with us harder. Right. And so what I want to ask everybody who feels like this person and the person asking this question, I want to ask you just to take a look at some things. Um, because we can unnecessarily put up roadblocks to connection and to relationships. So you're talking about having our listeners look inwardly first. Yes. Look in, look inside of yourself for a moment here. And uh, I'm not saying you're doing these things on purpose. I'm not saying you're doing these things maliciously. Maybe even some of these things are, they're going to take a long time for you to overcome. But mm-hmm. if you are in your twenties or thirties or forties and you find that people aren't interested in being around you, mm-hmm. uh, maybe that you have a hard time making relationships right. um, or connecting with people on meaningful, long lasting levels. Likely there are some things that you're doing that are inhibiting those relationships from happening. Mm. I don't say that to be mean. I want to actually just give you a few things here that I think could help you connect better right. and have longer lasting relationships. And so um, one of these things we joke at Village Church, it's called the barf face. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's a bad resting face. And um, here's what it means. Like you might be happy and joyful on the inside, but your face screams, I'm angry and I mm. want to kill somebody. And if you talk to me, I'll cut your throat. Right? Mm. That might be like what mm-hmm. your face says, mm-hmm. but that's not what your heart says. And so your face is actually lying. <laughs> And so we, we, there are, there have been a handful of people in our church where I'm like, let's be straight. You got a bar face. Your heart is pure as gold, but your face says, don't come near me. And, um, and so like one of the things that is a requirement for a Christian with integrity is to align our hearts with our nonverbals. Mm-hmm. Because if our heart says, I love you, but our methods or our face or our tone say, don't come near me, I don't like you, mm-hmm. we're lying. Right. We may not be lying intentionally, but it's our job to bring together our nonverbals and our verbals in a social cultural atmosphere that communicates accurately right. To people, and so there, there are just some people that are socially awkward, um, and they're communicating lies. Mm-hmm. Not what they have in their heart is good, but what's coming out of them is not is not great. And they're just not aware of what their outward appearance is saying. Yes, yes, yes. So Tim, talk to us about what you call the porcupine syndrome because this is awesome and super okay. insightful. But it's going to require our listener to have a humble heart when they hear it, because maybe you're not making connections. Because you're a porcupine. Yeah, the, the porcupine syndrome is different than the barf, you know, approach. Because barf, <laughs> y- your, your heart is really good and you really may be happy. Yeah. But your facial and outward appearance is different than that. Yeah. In the porcupine syndrome, you're really reflecting what really is going in the heart. Yep. And what's going on at the heart level is you're hurt or you're just stiff. And, and what you need is someone to love you and care for you. But what you're displaying by your actions and your attitudes and often your words is stay away from me or I'm going to stick you. Yep. You know, get get back. I don't want anyone in my circle. I don't want any friends. And it, and it's really coming from a heart that is so hurt, so crushed. Yep. And I know a lot of people like this. And, you know, the best thing for us, you and mm-hmm. I are, are really good at this. Mm-hmm. We're going to hug you anyway. Yep. I'm going to squeeze you. you. I'm going to hug you. 
even though you treat me like even though you stand there like I don't like this, I don't want you touching me. Yep. But inwardly, we know we all need to be loved. Yep. And that's not just some like cute psychological Christian no. thing we say. Like it is the plea of our heart. Right. Who are my people and do they love me? I need to know that I am loved. But you hit it on the head when you said a porcupine is wounded. And when one person wounds us, we transfer that wounding to other people. Yes. We punish other people for what somebody did to us. That's right. And on some level, it is understandable. Mm-hmm. Okay. There, there are natural defense mechanisms that go up inside of us to protect our heart. That's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. My heart is supposed to be whole, but somebody has broken it, and I don't That's want right. someone else to take an already shattered heart and make it even you know, more shattered or mm-hmm. hurt even more. I don't want somebody picking at the scab, if you will. But we have to be overtly aware when we're wounded what our human tendency is to do to other people, which is to punish them or to hold them back when really – what we need to heal our heart is other people right. to love. Love heals in a powerful ways. Community heals in really, mm-hmm. really neat way. I love that porcupine syndrome. I'm going to use that one. That's great. <laughs> um, here, here's another thing. There are, there are social habits that some people have that make them unapproachable or very hard to talk to. And I'll be honest, if I have a very hard time talking to somebody one time, it's going to be difficult for me to go back to them a second time. Now, mm-hmm. I will choose to do it. Right. But if we have control over this, I don't want to make somebody choose to come talk to me. I want them to want mm-hmm. to come talk to me. Right. So here, here is one of the habits that I find with people. Um, it comes out in two different ways. Number one, I come up to you and I talk to you and I ask you questions. And you respond with brief answers. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't give any vulnerability, transparency, depth. It's yes. It's no. Hey, how are you doing today, Tim? Fine. Great. Why are you fine? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, like. You know what I would usually respond when people say they're fine? Yeah. Oh, really? Are, are you? Are Tell you? me about that. Yeah. How, how are you fine? Yeah. My favorite one is what would make you go from fine to good? Yeah. Or if they're good, I'd be like, what would make you go from go to good, good to really good? Yeah. You know? And uh, so I, I'm equipped with an arsenal of one-liners. Mm-hmm. I've heard them all and I'm ready to respond to them to kind of like, again, poke the bear, if you will. Like, yeah. come on, let's get this going. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to be sensitive to the person on the receiving end because there is legitimately social anxiety where people's brains freeze when they're asked questions. Mm-hmm. They're in a social social circumstance and they're like, ah! and they're trying to find right. the word. They're not trying to be awkward. And so the best way to overcome that social awkwardness is to find a safe group of people to talk about it, maybe get some resources and mm-hmm. skills. Um, for example, if somebody struggles with social awkwardness, before they go into like church, for example, they need to arm themselves with a couple answers. I'm going to be asked, how, how are you doing? What happened this week? Or if there was something big, maybe my husband or wife or kids had something go on, I'm going to be asked about that. So I need to prepare in advance what I'm going to say. Right. Um, and so, for example, I'll just give an example for myself. I hate calling people's landlines, like to their home, because <laughs> you never know who's going to pick up. Right? right. I love cell phones. Remember back in the day, mm-hmm. you, like I'd be like 12 and I call my girlfriends like how home line, you know, I'd be like, uh, Hey, Mr. So-and-so, can I talk to your daughter? Like weird, you know? <laughs> so like to, to this day I have like phone anxiety. So I call, but I have to walk through in my mind, the names of the husband, the wife, mm-hmm. all the kids and all the possible people who could pick up the phone. Uh, because if I don't, I'm going to forget their names right. purely because of this weird phone, social anxiety I have about calling a landline, mm-hmm. uh, little side thought. 
when my phone, the, the contact, um, it says mobile, but it's actually a home phone drives me insane. <laughs> and like my wife and I share a contact list. And so when she puts a, a, a mobile phone number as a home, I'm like, I freak out. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's all got to be accurate <laughs> because you're putting me in socially anxious positions here. But there are certain things that you can do to arm yourself um, if you're if you have a high level social um, anxiety. And then here's here's the other thing that I think just the other side of this coin that makes people honestly not interested in talking to you. When they ask you a question, do you respond in kind? Right. Do you ask them a question back? Totally. They're investing in you because as humans, we're made to invest in each other. Now you may say, I don't like small talk. Well, stop it. Okay. Because every great relationship starts off with a always begins there. My name is. And the reason we invest in small talk is because you know what? Some people just need small talk right Mm -hmm. now because small talk starts by creating safe environments. Your small talk actually builds the foundation for deeper environments and communication to happen later. So you're in a church like, ah, it's just small talk. You have no idea what foundations you're laying for you or that person or your relationship or their experience Mm -hmm. in that culture, place or church. So, um, but the reality is you talk to people and they are like, Hey, how you doing? Good. I'm fine. Or you just start talking about yourself. My day was great. Blah, 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 blah. And anyways, Mm -hmm. well, the socially responsible, polite thing to do is to reciprocate. Yeah. You know, and if you don't, if you're not good at reciprocation, that is a skill you can learn. You can arm yourself with a few questions. One of the questions is mirror their question. That's right. Just repeat what they asked you. The mirror approach, it's a very simple thing. When you're like, I don't know what to say, you can look at them and say, how was your week? You doing okay? Mm -hmm. You know, make it personal. And uh, hey, what are you doing after this? That's always a great transition. They're just little one-liners that you can say. And uh, so whether or not you're a porcupine, whether or not you have a barf face, whether or not you just (laughs) social anxiety and you freeze, whether or not you don't even reciprocate, all of those are things that communicate to people um, you're not interested. And that's not what you want to communicate. The person asking the question is saying, no, I want relationships. Well, if you want relationships, then you might have to change some of the things that you're doing so that they actually communicate truthfully um, in a way that people understand what you really want. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole another category of, of discussions. And these discussions are, um, do we have shared interest values That's right. and whatnot? You cannot make every person want to be friends with you, but there right. are going to be some people um, who are going to have enough commonality with you that they're going to want to be. Now, I'll speak for me. Believe it or not, um, my best friends in life do not have the same interest in me. <laughs> One of me is enough. Okay. None of my friends have the same hobbies. In fact, my closest friends are introverts. Um, when I think about the people going all the way back to like, honestly, second grade, mm-hmm. I got along with quiet, thoughtful people far better than I did extroverts, probably because they let me talk. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be honest, for me, commonality of interest or hobbies never bore any weight on our friendship because I loved seeing other people's hobbies and mm-hmm. getting into their mm-hmm. worlds. Like there's something been inside of me that is wired curious to want to like see what makes people tick and invest in the things they want right. to invest in. Like I like that, you know, like I love, I can't fix anything, but I love going to your garage and watching <laughs> you fix cars and hanging out with you. I don't need to be good at it. I just love watching you in action um, because I'm wired to take that kind of interest. 
And I do think that that is a foundational thing about people who have right. good friends. Mm-hmm. They do not require conformity or similarity. They um, actually appreciate diversity and the various things that other people can bring to the table. What does make for a good friendship is shared values. Yes. That is what I look for in friends. Do we have the same fundamental Mm -hmm. values and values bleed out of us. Everything we say, we're puking out our values. Mm -hmm. And so when I listen to people, I can tell pretty quickly whether or not we would be um, simpatico, good friends, you know, (laughs) like I I could get that. And um, so anyways, I would just tell people that's a whole nother separate discussion, whole nother Q and a podcast, but check first whether or not you are unnecessarily making it more difficult. And if you are, it might take you a long time and a lot of hard work to overcome yeah. those, and that's okay. Let me just uh, throw out the God card here, okay? Oh, As yeah. a pastor, oh, let me is throw this that a, out, okay? Yeah. Are we pastors? Right, so, <laughs> you know, Michael, you and I are wired completely different. You are a, a, a natural-born extrovert. I'm a natural-born introvert. And, you know, the God card comes in. God comes into your life and says, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're an introvert or extrovert. Do you care about people? Do you care about them genuinely and and as God would care about them? Yep. Once you start walking in those kind of shoes saying, I really care about people. I really want to know about them. I want to know about their hurts. I want to know about their interests. People are interesting. I feel that I'm a, a boring person. So, you know, I'm going to let them talk about themselves. All you have to talk about is how you were shot in the face with a shotgun <laughs> and you become the most interesting person in a room. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, the God card is if you're shy, if you're an introvert, God can overcome that with the care and compassion that comes from knowing him and knowing that God loves people. And therefore, you should love people. You should care for people. Get them talking about themselves. Ask them questions. Be interested in their answers. And you'll find out you've got more friends than you can possibly deal with. Yep. 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 Become curious because everybody is infinitely valuable. Absolutely I mean, true. And that, I, I do think that that, as you're saying that, um, do you really, are you really curious? Do you really, really mm-hmm. wanna know what makes them unique? Right. For me, every person I meet, this is literally what goes in my head, they are like the most interesting book I've never read. Mm. I, I look at every person as like an awesome movie. Um, and, and is that selfish? Is that entertaining? No, I think it's like, No, I look and see that God has so uniquely woven their life and their soul and their experiences and their family and their background and their work and their job and their spiritual gifts and their hobbies Mm -hmm. and all that other stuff. Every person is this unique convergence of a billion different, um, let's just say, life experiences that accumulate to this human being. Like what makes them tick? And the closer you get to know somebody, there are all these catalytic events in their life. And humans, there is no boring human. No. And And honestly, the more socially awkward they are, the more interesting their story. Yeah, if you can just get them to talk about <laughs> yeah. it, their story is probably going to be a novel. A novel. And that, and that's where like I tell people like stop being so obsessed with you mm-hmm. and start being really concerned and interested in the unique story that God is writing in each person's life. That's right. And so I hope that helps everybody and uh, Tim, I'm just really thankful for the porcupine part. <laughs> Honestly, like that actually is a very helpful picture for me and has made sense of a lot of things. Uh, a lot of relationships that I've had and do have. 
um, right now. So that was helpful. Thank you for that. Thanks for joining us today, listeners. Please do us three favors. Go to our church website, vcob.org, and submit a question by clicking on that link that says Q&A podcast. Second, be sure to share this with a maybe an introvert or an extrovert that's having trouble connecting with friends and, and another community of, of, of people. And then third, be sure to rate and review this by going to the iTunes store. Please join us next time when we answer the question, how do you know when you're trying too hard instead of trusting in God? Yeah, and, it, and I'm going to give one last like bonus point Ooh. for anybody who made it this far. Ready? Yeah. Introverts or extroverts, we need to shut up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> podcast over.